When's the last time you had seen this movie before we watched it? Or... Um, the last time I had seen this movie before we had decided yeah, to watch yeah, yeah. it. Um, honestly, it lived in my mind <laughs> as a kid. So rewatching it as an adult, um, it definitely was. Uh, there's parts of the story that I'm like, wow, I didn't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> So probably yeah, when I was a kid, so the nineties. Yeah, I I'm, I don't know. I, I think uh, wow. So it's been a long time for you. I mm-hmm. I can't really remember the last time I watched it, but it couldn't have been too long ago. I really like this movie um, yeah. for a lot of different reasons, but um, we'll jump into all that um, once we get this podcast started, which we should do right now. So let's play it again, man. You must remember this. A kiss is just a kiss. What's up, everybody? Steven here. Um, I am here joined with the guest, a friend of mine, of going on about, what, like 15 years now? Mm, Something like that? Something like that. Everybody, welcome to the show, Vanessa Alvarez. Mm, Hi. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just pretending I'm walking into a room with, like, a queen wave. (laughs) Yeah. There's a huge audience out there. Um, But, yeah. So, she is here because we are going to do a movie that I really, really enjoy. It is a movie starring Bruce Willis, Meryl Streep, and Goldie Hawn, directed by Robert Zemeckis himself, called Death Becomes Her. It was released on July 31st, 1992 by Universal Pictures. Um, It's a kind of like a dark comedy. There's a lot of murder and Mm -hmm. stuff in it um, and little supernatural uh, aspects to it. But um, it's a really funny movie. I don't know that many people that have seen it. Jason hasn't. That's why Vanessa is on the show today. Um, she made sure when I mentioned this movie in our first episode uh, that she needed to be on this episode. And I felt obliged to um, let her be on it. The movie made uh, $140 million off of $55 million budget so on paper it was definitely a success but um that's all that information so let's start at the beginning as me and jason always do and tell us vanessa when's the first time you remember seeing this movie and what was your reaction to it um okay so first time seeing this movie was definitely the 90s um you know earlier you mentioned to me you went to theater to see it yeah. sorry i didn't mean to jump that but uh, <laughs> for me you know my uh family we were really into renting videos yeah, so yeah. uh we as were many people in the 90s yes, in the 90s it was a thing yeah. so i remember my aunt who was seven years older than me she picked this movie out from video olympics shout out to a uh, shout out and r.i.p to the whittier <laughs> yeah it's store. definitely not there anymore <laughs> so video olympics uh they you know my aunt rented it and i just remember like you know laying on my grandparents brown carpet uh-huh. <laughs> looking up at this tiny tv and i thought the movie was so well exciting not only because i mean i'm literally watching these glamorous women be like zombies so yeah. to speak um, so I and then there was one scene in particular that has no real significance to any part of the real mo- the movie in its entirety. But yeah. I really loved um, 
Isabella Rosaline's like I loved her little boob jewels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm a sucker for sparkly things and all that. So I remember being a kid and being like, "Oh my god, that's her top. It's all full of jewels." And I, <laughs> I like that, that so part cool. for a different reason. Oh my god, you damn perk. <laughs> <laughs> um, but go on, yes. Yeah. So I mean, I just the whole thing was just I thought it was funny. I thought like you know the scene at the end where she heard their heads roll down and so and it was to me you know like yeah and. Uh, reading about that, doing some research uh, about the movie, like how the graphics were so like groundbreaking, at groundbreaking. The time. Yeah. yeah, and as a kid, I was like, oh my god, you can see her spine. And uh-huh. you can do... So for me, I thought it was like super. I mean, I shit, I believed it. So. <laughs> um. Okay. So for me, um. Yeah, like I said, I saw this movie in the theaters. I remember it was one of my very early theater experiences but i remember going and seeing it and um like we were talking about earlier the music is very uh elfman-esque uh yes. but it's done by joel silveri who worked with robert zemeckis on a bunch of movies uh all the back to the futures he did the predator um predator soundtrack uh forrest gump and a bunch of other castaway all those other ones but um i remember just the music and like when the credits were coming up and everything watching this movie and then just being so transfixed on like this really weird goofy guy that seems so familiar to me but i was like who the fuck is this dude mm-hmm. um turns out to be bruce willis in a wig and i was just like dude what the hell but watching this movie the first time same thing just like this is so like really wacky it's a really wacky movie um the characters are all have their own little quirks. They're all very outlandish in their own ways, and it's it's stuck. It, it made an imprint on me for sure. And um, you know, after we saw it in the theaters, we were big fans of renting movies too. I remember renting it, like my mom renting it again, and my mom's always been a really big Goldie Hawn fan. Um, so we would rent it, and then as I got older and we weren't going to the video store for the family anymore, I just remember myself, if I didn't have it on VHS or whatever, I would rent it myself and mm-hmm. watch it over over again. It's a movie I really, really enjoy, and like I said, I don't know that many people have seen this movie or haven't talked to a lot of people that have seen it. Um, so I was really, really happy uh, when you reached out and said we should do this movie because uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't think I would have got a chance otherwise. Yeah, I, I definitely um, felt like I could speak about this movie because, <laughs> as you know me, for uh, going on 15 years, I don't watch a lot of movies. Yeah, and not, so not in too the much. 90s, Yeah, in the 90s when, like, you're a kid and you can't be, you know, we didn't have all this other stuff to kind of distract you. Yeah. Like, yeah, I did see movies in the 90s, but then, like, after that, no, don't ask me, don't ask me anything. <laughs> anything else. So this is one of the five movies I could probably remember as a kid growing <laughs> up. All right, so, yeah, that's where we were when we first saw this movie. All right, so right off the bat, um, like you said, you hadn't seen it in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, what jumped out to you from watching it uh, after so long this this time around? Um, what jumped out to me, I think, uh, well, something that I thought was funny was just a lot of pop cultural references that were relevant at the time. Like, there's like that one scene where you realize that um, the husband, I'm blanking out on his Ernest, name, Ernest, Ernest yeah. is not a surgeon anymore, that he's like the uh, mortician. Mor- mortician. Yeah. yeah. And so you realize, like, there's like this whole reference about this guy who died and 
he died having sex with his mistress yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was interesting because I realized like I didn't understand that reference mm-hmm. at all. And then I know there's like an, a part in the there's tons of scenes, but I mean, for one, I can remember too is like Isabella Rossellini, Rossellini making that reference about the I want to be alone. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, I had to Google that because I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. I'm sure people that are in their 30s watching this when it first came out probably understood that. Yeah, reference yeah. And I but couldn't. us as children, yeah. just like, oh, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, interesting. So before we actually jump into the meat and potatoes of this whole movie, we we'll talk about the cast a little bit. But first up, I need to talk about Robert Zemeckis because this is the first movie that. Um, that we are doing of his. Robert Zemeckis is a director, and his most prominent movies are more prominent than this one for sure. Um, the Back to the Future franchise, mm. Forrest Gump, Castaway works with um, works with Tom Hanks a few times. He um he started out writing. I think he wrote on Steven Spielberg's 1949 um 1941. I'm sorry that came out at the end of the 70s. And the studios gave him a chance with Romancing the Stone, um, the Michael Douglas picture. Um, and that was like a swashbuckling like action adventure. If you haven't seen it, I definitely would recommend it. It's kind of fun. They just did a movie with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum that came out. Um, and it's basically the same premise. It's like a woman writer. She writes about like uh, kind of like Flavio-esque uh, like adventure love love novels okay. but then she goes on her own adventure and she meets like some dude mm. but yeah he made that movie it was a really big success they even made a sequel to it called jewel of the nile and then he really rose to fame when he made back to the future which everybody knows is one of the most iconic movies of all time really um and then he also did movies like uh who framed roger rabbit which mm. was Classic. a huge success <laughs> and people really love that movie um, still holds up today, uh, today for sure. Uh, and then he really, really started getting more, almost in true like Spielberg fashion. He was a huge Spielberg fan. Spielberg was known for making these like big, flashy blockbuster movies, and nobody really took him seriously until he did Schindler's List. And same thing with uh, Robert Zemeckis. I feel he made like big, fun family movies and then he made Forrest Gump which you know won a bunch of Academy Awards and everything and uh then he started making more serious pictures uh Castaway um he's he's done a bunch of stuff he he also produced a lot of television um Tales from the Crypt TV show that was on HBO as his baby uh and a bunch of other stuff a uh, bunch of other horror movies that he produced and stuff so Robert Zemeckis I'm a really big fan of his. I know a lot of people are out there, so I need to just do a little piece on him. Um, as for the cast, first episode, we talked about Bruce Willis. We can talk about him a little bit after this. Um, and we just did a Goldie Hawn movie, Overboard, so we just talked about her, and we could talk about her a little bit. But really, the main draw of this movie, and I think probably what sold studios and everything on this, was Meryl Streep. Gotta be Meryl. Meryl Streep is one of the most sought after, one of the most um, prolific actresses of her generation. Uh, a lot of people call her the goat, including Jonah Hill, um, who was calling her that on the set of Don't Look Up. And she had no idea what that meant. So he just thought that she he was calling her an old goat and she was totally fine with it. <laughs> only to find out that goat stands for greatest of all time. Um, but yeah, she really rose to prominence in the end of the 70s, um, she plays Madeline Ashton in this movie, kind of like, kind of the antagonist, would you say? Yeah. Like, she's kind of, I mean, everybody's kind of bad in this movie, but yeah, um, she's 
definitely the worst. Uh, she rose to prominence her f- in one of her first films, The Deer Hunter, 1978, which she was nominated for an Academy Award for. And then in 1979, she was in Woody Allen's Manhattan, where he dates a teenage girl, um, and nobody seems to have any problem with it at all. So that was a glimpse into the future. In uh, 1979 as well, which was a big f- year for her, she starred opposite uh, Dustin Hoffman in Kramer vs. Kramer, and she won her first Academy, Academy Award for that for Best Supporting Actress. Um, and then her career just literally never stops. Uh, there are a lot of movies I'm leaving out here, but some of the big ones here, Sophie's Choice in 1982, Out of Africa um, that she did with Robert Redford. She Devil, which I always found oh. curious. Um, I always get those. See this movie and, and that, that movie, movie mixed I up. Confused. I never seen that movie, but I remember. Oh I remember seeing it on the on the shelves at like Blockbuster oh and movie. Gosh. And That's I was always hilarious. so like perplexed that Meryl Streep and Roseanne Barr shared the screen together. Listen, that I mean that could be a whole episode on its own, but <laughs> Oaks, I, yeah. it was oh my gosh, it was so good. And when you initially said, "Okay, well, we're going to do Death Becomes Her," yeah. and I my instant when you're like, "What's your favorite scene?" I literally thought and I thought this was this is how much I confused the two movies. Yeah. Like I was like, "Oh my god, my favorite scene is when Meryl is like slams her fingernail and you're not going to get any of this because this is the wrong movie, <laughs> but um, slams her nail on the washing machine and she's just like you know crying because she's about to have a nervous breakdown and the doorbell keeps ringing. Anyways, it's hilarious. And All right, I'll, ha- I'll, have, I'll have to check it out oh then. Gosh. I'll have to check I mean, it out. How do you even have this podcast without that movie? Um, <laughs> anyway, that's 1989, and then uh, Death Becomes Her. This movie, 1992. One of the first movies I remember seeing her in besides this one was a movie called The River Wild mm-hmm. that we talked previously about. I think on the LA Confidential podcast it's her her husband i think the little boy from jurassic park which you've never seen can you we're not how does this how does this conversation of me never seeing jurassic i brought you here specifically just to talk about the fact that you've never seen jurassic park i have no shame anyway um yeah it's it's a little boy from jurassic park and they're on like a river rafting trip and then they get taken hostage by john c Riley and kevin bacon of all people um but yeah, that's 1994. Bridges of Madison County. She works with Clint Eastwood. 1995, mm. Marvin's Room, which is a picture with uh, Leo Leo DiCaprio, young Leo DiCaprio. 1996. Um, she works all throughout these years. But like I said, I'm skipping movies. Uh, in 08, she does a Devil Wears Prada, mm-hmm. or no, 06, I think it is. Yeah, 06, uh, she does a Devil Wears Prada, which was a huge success. And not that she ever went anywhere, but I feel like that reinvigorated her career. Um, more than it had been going there. I was looking at her filmography from like end of the nineties to that point. She made some pretty popular movies, but nothing Maybe to that like to that the new audience. Yeah, the new generation, nothing to that so to like acclaim. Um, and then in two thousand eight, she joins the Mamma Mia cast, which they made a mm-hmm. sequel of that. Uh, two thousand eleven, she wins her second Oscar for the Iron Lady. Um. And, uh, yeah, and then she's in a bunch of other movies, Into the Woods, Florence Foster Jenkins. Uh, she was recently in Adam McKay's Don't Look Up in 2021. And she's going to be starring in Damien Chazelle's Babylon in, I think, a few months or maybe the beginning of next year. I'm not sure. But, yeah, Meryl Streep, just absolutely fantastic in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, obviously, she's a great dramatic actress, but I'm... Watching her in this movie, and I always feel like to be a good comedy actor, 
you have to be a good actor in general. Mm-hmm. And there's some very simple moments in this movie where I'm just absolutely blown away by like her timing and like the the emphasis she's putting on like her actions and her words and everything. It, it's she, she's impeccable. I, well, everybody loves Meryl Streep. Um, but yeah, moving on. Uh, we have Bruce Willis who plays Doctor Ernest Menville. Um, what are your thoughts on him in this movie? Um, uh, so this is one of those things that I didn't remember as a kid that I didn't realize that was Bruce Willis. Really? That probably has to do, yeah, because I mean, you know, He's being like seven totally years totally not Bruce Willis in I this mean, movie too. When I was seven, at this point, how, what other movies had I seen him in? What other movies would I have seen that's, him in at seven that's years old? Really upsetting to me, just because <laughs> he was like the biggest star in the entire world at the time. Like I said, um, I mean, wait, Die Hard was that out? Die Hard okay. was out, but he had a totally different look. Like he said, did, yeah. Um, well, that's a seven-year-old yeah. child. So okay, so going so going back to it. Watching it now, uh-huh. you you put the movie on, and then did you were you like, holy shit, that's Bruce Willis? Yeah, my first thought really? was like, wow, I didn't realize that was Bruce Willis. <laughs> See, and this goes back to the um, the confusion between She Devil. That's true. Because yeah, yeah. I mean, they're the same. They yeah, have yeah, this, yeah. the same kind of yuppie looking yeah, yeah, husband. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, you know, Bruce Willis is not a yuppie, but in yeah, the no. film, in he the, yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um. So yeah, no, I didn't realize it was Bruce Willis until I you watched, watched it this it. time. Yeah. That's very interesting. And then adult. when and then. And when you did see it, like, I mean, because he, he's not Bruce Willis in this movie. Right, right. Um, like, how were you just like, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, I thought that he, I def, for me to not re- really remember that it was Bruce Willis, I thought he had to have played a really good, like, like wimpy kind of a yeah, character yeah, yeah. for him to, either that or it's just obviously Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn are the entire movie yeah, that yeah. you don't even realize that it's Bruce Willis mm-hmm. because, you know, I mean, he's just there. I d- disagree. Um, <laughs> no, I mean he's still good. There was a lot of like funny lines and stuff, but I'm just saying. Yeah, for for me, him in this movie, I like I said earlier, when I was younger, I knew who Bruce Willis was. I had oh. seen Die Hard. I had seen. But you're a different breed, Stephen. You're a movie breed. <laughs> Regardless, but being that young, watching this movie, there was such a familiarity I felt towards mm. this this fucking really weird like wacky outlandish dude that i just couldn't put my finger on i mean he's not in the movie technically but you had to have seen look who's talking oh yeah 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 but anyway yeah well, um, i was looking at a baby but yeah like and then when i find out it's bruce willis i'm just like so because he's always he's an action star and he's and even when he's not he's usually snarky and mm-hmm. like you know, quippy and everything like that. So watching him in this movie, and I've always appreciated his performance in this movie. Um, just watching it yesterday, I was just laughing at his like his gait and how he like like when he's in the hospital, he's got this weird nerdish like trot <laughs> that he does when he's like looking for Madeline in the hospital and everything. And I'm just like, what a! I mean, he would have had to have been firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. So. You're with Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn. And yes, there's other people in this movie, but the cast is very, very small. Yeah. Um, so I was always just really impressed with him. And most of the time when other people say that people are going over the top, I usually enjoy what they're doing. Um, and this is one of those performances for sure. Well, that's Bruce Willis. Um, we know him from, like we said, he was on Moonlighting, the TV show. He was in Die Hard, all the Die Hard movies, Armageddon. 
all the action movies in the 90s. And uh, unfortunately, actually, the news came out that he has a um, he has a condition uh, disorder. It's not like dementia, but it has to do with um, forming words and sentences. Oh, really? So he stepped down from acting recently. Oh. Um, so I don't know if that's something that you could really recover from, but we wish him all the best because he was a huge part of my childhood and a huge part of everybody else's lives for the last... 30 or so years. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to Goldie Hawn. Like we, I said, we just did Overboard, so we know her from Private Benjamin, Overboard, a um, bunch of other great movies, The Banger Sisters. Banger Sisters. Um, her in this movie, I find her absolutely hilarious in this movie. She's um, she's playing a very Goldie Hawnish person at the beginning, and then she goes through several transitions, and... It's just really funny by the end of the movie how, like, dead in the eye she is and how, like, yeah. how much these two women hate each other. But her in this movie is is really great. Her seducing Ernest is some of the funniest stuff um, that I think she's done. And, uh, yeah, how do you feel about Goldie Hawn in this movie? I mean, I started laughing right now because I instantly started thinking of a scene that I thought was really funny in there. But we'll get to that one. Um yeah, no, I thought Goldie Hawn was great. I think that she, um, for somebody who seems like, I feel like when you see Goldie Hawn movies, I feel like people do think that it she plays the same characters. Yeah. Um, or like these these characters are written for Goldie yeah, Hawn yeah, yeah. type, yeah. you know? Um, but I still feel like she gives it such a, like, I don't know. I, I don't think that they're always like uh, very different. Like for me, what popped into my mind was First Wives Club uh-huh. and how... I mean, I guess if I'm looking at like this ultra glamorous, like she usually does roles like that. But, yeah, like, you know, yeah. overboard. It's it's kind of it'd be kind of hard. I mean, which is funny that you say she does it. have versatility. Like she is she she, do, she does. I think that this is a time before like women really start doing um, complex roles. Yeah, like that because like think of like Goldie Hawn always playing somebody glamorous or whatever. The same way that I think of like Charlie Theron, but. Charlie Theron later on goes and does Monster and does his like crazy transformation. I think the opportunity for women at this time was kind of typecasting, like yeah. almost every role that they had. Right. Yeah. Right. So that makes it makes sense that she didn't really step outside her box too much. I guess. Yeah, I mean that's true. I you know getting well again is good, but <laughs> um, I mean I guess if I'm thinking back on like the movies I can recall her in, like wasn't I mean. She was pretty banger sisters. She kind of was just like a yeah. I I think I think in that movie I've only seen that movie one time. I remember my mom was watching. She's it. like small town glamour. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty much right. like as glamorous as you could get in a like small town in a dive bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Which I mean, I mean, yeah. It's 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 like we said. I think mm-hmm. that she has range for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I I think like I said at the time, uh, roles went for and th- that's another thing that I was really interested in talking to you about this movie is obviously this movie especially at the time um not a lot of women directors not a lot of women writers Mm -hmm. this movie is about two women's like rivalry with each Mm -hmm. other um how does that play for you like in in today's like in today's era knowing that it's a bunch of men telling these women Mm. how to be like 
deceitful and vicious women and everything. Yeah, I mean, this movie didn't hold up, and in today's <laughs> social climate, would not fly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Of course, watching it as an adult again, um, and being a woman myself, I just was like, wait. So the whole premise of this movie is that these bitches are trying to live forever <laughs> to keep this guy. They're trying to stay young. Um, you know, so to me, obviously, I had a lot. There was a lot of issues. Yeah, I had with the movie. Of course, the jokes. Of course, my my biggest pet peeve in movies, especially in the '90s, was like the worst thing that could have ever happened to a woman is to lose their like they lose their partner to another woman. Uh, their best friend and turn out to be a fat cat lady. Like, oh my god! As soon as they they showed her in that terrible fat person costume, yeah, yeah. I was like, this is such bullshit. Like, <laughs> like, oh my god. Yeah. You know, and it, it's just the soap. It's bizarre. like stere- it's, so it's like stereotypical. Like beyond, what what yeah. what a man would write it's for a, yeah, but the worst funny, life that a woman can. That's have. what I was gonna say. I was like, well, what's funny to me is that like it's not like a woman's the worst thing in a woman's life that could happen to her that she gains weight, has some cats, yeah, and yeah. lives alone. Yeah, it's the men's perception of like this is the worst thing that it could ever happen to a woman. She got fat. Um, she got some cats. <laughs> She lives alone. I was like, wait, what the fuck? I actually think uh, that sounds nice, but. <laughs> no, that's that. I, I was watching this because I remembered all of it. I remembered everything, oh, but wa- watching it, watching it, I was like, I wonder what Vanessa's perspective was, is going to be on this. I was this. too blinded as a child by <laughs> Rosaline, Isabella Rosaline's like side boob cleavage. Ju- no, boob jewelry. <laughs> Um, all right, so like we said, there's other people in this movie. Uh, Isabella Rossellini, um, fa- very famous actress, gorgeous, might have yes. seen, yeah, very gorgeous in this movie. Um, gorgeous women in general. Uh, she plays Leslie Von Ruman. Leslie Von Ruman. Um, I feel like that's a joke too. I feel like there's something funny about that name, and I just don't. You don't get know it. what it I is. Don't get it. No. Um, Do you? It ha- No, I don't. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, she's in other movies like Blue Velvet. Uh, Sidney Pollock has a small part in this movie. You might have seen him in Eyes Wide Shut and a bunch of other stuff. He's a famous writer-director. Um, not too many other people in this movie that are noteworthy. The only other person that I would... So we have this category on. It's not ours. We didn't invent it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a category that we ha- have on here called a That Guy. And it's the guys that you've seen in a bunch of movies, oh. but you don't know their name, but they've been in a million things. This is the first time I'm ever bringing up a That lady mm-hmm. um mary ann trainer she's passed away a few years ago but she's been in so many different things she's the mom on the monster squad she's the mom in the goonies she's in this movie she's the lady that goes up to Ernest at the he party and, did such a yeah good yeah job on her. her she's in all the lethal weapons oh, she's okay. she's i remember the face she's been in so many different movies scrooge is another favorite one usually she only has like one or two lines mm-hmm. stuff like that but she's just been in a whole bunch of stuff and I would not feel good about myself if I just didn't mention her. Um, she was a real mensch, um, and she will be sorely missed. Um, but yeah, like I said, other than that, the cast, uh, not a very memorable cast. This this movie is very intimate. There's mm-hmm. and, and this happens a lot when me and Jason are doing this, is I, I always think when I haven't seen a movie that the movie takes place over a long extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Apart from the beginning, which takes place over 12 years, and then like a few different years and then it jumps forward again apart from that beginning pacing part the movie takes place in like a day and a half 
which I was like, damn, I don't remember that. I, I remember what do you mean, it. that part. So seven a day and a half. The, the beginning of the movie, there's like a bunch of time jumps. There's yeah. when they when they, they first, first meet. meet Madeline, and then when they get married, mm-hmm. and then when she's in her apartment, cat lady, and then when she's in the in the psych ward, and yeah. then it jumps forward to uh, Madeline waking up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then the movie is that day, the next day, and that's it. Oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I, it's something that I always... Me and Jason talk about it all the time when, whenever we're doing this. But yeah, that's basically the cast so we can get into the nitty-gritty of the movie. So like we said, one thing that I that I noticed at the beginning of this movie was the pacing. It mm-hmm. Like that first beginning, which is probably one of my favorite parts of the movie, is... As soon as um, that last part happens, when he's like, ah, "I have absolutely no interest with her," then it like, like dan, just cuts, dan, and then they're getting dan. married together. Yeah, <laughs> um, like that whole sequence of, and then showing her as a crazy cat lady. Obviously, mm. it's a it's a very like tone deaf scene. But what I do love about Incredibly that part tone. is, regard regardless of how they present her or whatever, but. What I do like about that part is her like obsession with Madeline Ashton mm-hmm. and watching her die over and over yeah, again. Yeah. And Goldie Hawn's her like face. her face. Fi- yeah. Her yeah. Fi- her face like just all glazed over, just yeah. in ecstasy watching her get murdered. <laughs> and then when they fucking finally bust the door open, yeah. like she's gotta rewind it one yeah, more time one to like time. to get it to watch yeah. her uh, get strangled. That all that stuff I thought was really funny. And then we also um me and my friend this is like a big mom and sisters movie with Mm me uh we always like when she's in the psych ward and we haven't heard from you in a while is there um anything you'd like to talk about with the group yes I would like to talk about Madeline I would like, like to, to talk, talk about, about Madeline. Madeline and then they all go ah! just all crazy. <laughs> oh, one lady that I forgot to um, mention in there, uh, Kitty like, from from oh, that 70s show is like it? sitting next to her yeah. oh. she doesn't say anything or anything but but yeah that part is just i don't know just so funny to me uh but yeah and then yeah so that's the whole like pacing the whole beginning pacing part just it's like one after another just beats that happen really fast yeah. so that the movie can progress to where it needs to be um which is something that i was reading about in um the research is that uh there were a few characters that got cut out of the movie. Tracy Ullman was supposed to be in it, but Robert Zemeckis just felt that he needed to like cut out like long jokes and just like make the movie um, go a lot faster than it was. But um, yeah, that whole beginning part's really really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, what else, like early on in the movie, like did you like that you saw? Um that i saw that i liked yeah like Um, if you were talking about your fate like your favorite parts of or just stuff that made you laugh or whatever well i definitely um i don't know i love that meryl streep does this like high-pitched crying talk 
I forget. I don't know what they were fighting about, but then she just had. I can't even imitate it. But <laughs> yeah, don't don't you, don't try to Meryl Streep, Meryl Streep. <laughs> but yeah, she's. It sounds like she's like holding back tears. Yeah, and she's like has this really high pitched voice, and she's trying to talk to Bruce Willis. I thought that was really. Funny. I think I know. She, I uh, yeah, like I said, there are just so many parts in here where she's 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 giving lines and she's doing these things, and I'm just like that is. One of the best to ever do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I know the part you're talking about is when he's, when she's in the morgue and he's mm-hmm. telling her like, oh, uh, and I'll imitate her. I don't care because I'm. I would no, oh, it's not. Okay. I know. So I know it's you not. Can imitate her. You I don't can want. Meryl, Meryl. I don't want you to embarrass yourself. I I feel fine doing it. Yeah, uh, she's okay. ta- She's talking to him in the morgue and he's like, this has never happened in yeah. the history of mankind ever. And she's like, well, why did it have to happen to me? Like okay, that, yeah, dude. Right, yeah, um, so, so great. And don't ever do that again. <laughs> <laughs> um, right away, uh, like we said, the movie jumps around a lot in the beginning. Um, again, me seeing, me seeing uh, Bruce Willis from the beginning, I'm just like, God, he's just so fucking rec- mm-hmm. unrecognized, and he's such a weasel in this movie. Mm-hmm. All his screams are like really high pitched, oh, and yeah, I do love and everything that. just really, really good. Um, oh, also another thing I liked was uh, it was just a little small touch in that beginning part was uh, Helen's bunny slippers. I just always, uh, always like, yeah, when she when she's the cat lady, she's just oh, she's yes. got her legs propped up yeah. and she's just got bunny slippers. Yeah, I I know you commented on that thing the other day. I just like fuzzy slippers for some reason. Oh my goodness. And I was walking the other day and I saw like bare bare claw slippers. Okay, and... well now I'm just weirded out because <laughs> I thought you posted that because it was like uh, just walk away. This is kind of weird because they look like a pair of fuzzy slippers on a curb. No, because I wanted to take them with me. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that that because okay. I've always wanted those slippers. We're not talking about this. <laughs> I've always wanted those slippers, but, uh, but you always wanted to be Ralphie from uh, Christmas Story coming down. No, the... uh, Homer has bear slippers, oh so I always, I always wanted bear slippers. You but... know, he's a cartoon, right? Yeah. <laughs> As close as close as my life can get to a cartoon. Oh my god! Um, I'd like to get to. Uh, yeah, we talked about Helen sharing in, in mm-hmm. the psych ward, which is super duper funny. Um, after after she realizes she's got to take Meryl down, uh, we start with Meryl Streep in her bed when she's sleeping. Mm-hmm. And um, I love her like cackle when she's reading when she's reading because uh, she just uh, the invitation. As, right? yeah, yeah, as lovely as Meryl Streep is, she is so like I want to say gross just personality wise Uh in this movie she's such a bad person and so vain and you know she has all these this apparatus on her face to keep her young Mm -hmm. forever and she's got like these weird gloves on oh yeah she's sleeping all yeah like like perched up and everything and it's it's it just seems so extra but like we said we were talking earlier about the like the vanity of like people people in hollywood um and yeah it's just it's it's really gross. I find mm. it very gross um, because I don't know. It's it, probably true. It, no, de- definitely for sure. I mean, you look at people like the Kardashians and just Ugh. paint this unrealistic yeah. picture of like what beauty's supposed to be and everything. Yeah. It's just, it's just, yeah. Um, but it's really funny because it's they're poking fun. They're poking fun at it in this movie. 
Um, another interesting thing uh, that I wanted to ask you about because I know I had one when they when they show Ernest after all this time he's passed out on his floor and his beeper is is going crazy. Mm. Did you have a beeper? Oh growing no, up? I was too poor for that. But God, I wanted one. <laughs> my aunt had one, and I used to like love when she would like let my sisters and I like lay in the room while she would like set up her little voicemail. Yeah, and always be like you know. I like, mean, you hold you, you say you song, yeah you say like, you're at leave the message after after the beep and then oh, you hold she, it up to the radio. Yeah, but she was like you know it wasn't it wasn't that simple. It was like it was an art. Yeah. Yeah. So it no, it really like was. R&B music. Um, and I can always remember her like lowering it and be like, what's up, you've met? You, you reached a deli wellied. Uh, <laughs> smile, now, smile now, cry later. Um, just get back to me when you can. Or do your thing after the message or some shit like that. And I mean, I, it, wouldn't, it wasn't like a one take thing. It was no, like you, you had, yeah, you had to room. do it. Yeah, a long and you had time. to be quiet. And, um, and I felt so privileged. For, to we, be have, in there. We, we have some younger viewers. Uh, basically, a beeper was just a notification, like how you get notifications in your TikToks. Mm. Um, it was just a little box you wore on your hip or kept in your pocket that would make a noise. But surprisingly enough, when I. I, I had, one, had one. I had one beeper wow. right before cell phones became a thing, wow. and it was like a. They were so abundant everywhere you could get them at like big lots for like ten bucks, mm-hmm. like and nobody. It's like the way Tamagotchi's kind of like kind of kind of like and then. Um, but my my cousin had one and used to be able to write pretty much text messages, but they were all in code in numbers. Yeah. So you would use certain numbers to write like what you were what you were writing. You mean like one four three? Yeah, yeah. Shit like yeah, shit like that. But no, you could actually have whole conversations with these numbers on there. Oh, wow. And my cousin, I remember him trying to teach me these things, but at the time I had a beeper and nobody else did. I was like twelve or something. <laughs> so it was pretty much useless to me. Someone in your family is just like, Here me hold on, take this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was my uncle that gave it to me. Um yeah, it had Word one. it on your hip. <laughs> it had one little C battery in it. A C battery. What yeah. do those look like again? Is it? Oh, no, 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 no. The tri- the triple A ones. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Triple A ones. I was like, Shh. yeah, the C batteries are like the square ones. The square. I think. Um, let's see what else here. Oh, I I love the line. Is it up yet? When uh, oh. Rose is waking up Bruce Willis mm-hmm. and he's he's talking to uh, the he's maid. talking to the maid. Um. That part's good, and then just to see him like total the. I do like the when he goes to work, and then that dead guy's got like the giant ass smile on his face. See, as a kid, I totally didn't understand that. As an adult, I was like, "This is dumb." I think I think I hadn't seen that movie in a long time, and when I watched the movie Mr. Deeds for the first time, there's a part where he opens up his like grandpa's coffin and his body comes out and he's like all frozen stiff and then it unlocked a memory of like oh that happens in another movie oh. um to the point where i think in the movie he in mr deeds his his the way i remembered it when i watched it not too long ago i was like oh he's got a smile on his face mm-hmm. but when his dad's or when his grandpa's body comes out he doesn't and i'm like where is that from what am i thinking of but it's this oh, it's this movie uh, um yeah, I like I like all that part. Um, I like her visit to the I don't know it's like a rhinoplasty place or something. Yeah, that place was so um, cool. And I mean, as a kid, I thought like, oh, this place looks so yeah. and like futuristic. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's like a 
like it a plastic. Like, it was just like a plastic surgery. Yeah, center. something like that. Yeah. There's also parts in this movie that like it. It's supposed to be like a dark kind of like horror comedy. Yes. Almost. Are thing. you talking about what I think you're gonna go into? Is that the door closing? Yeah, and there's that dude like Going getting a blood down. transfusion oh, and everything. I don't. I don't know what it is. Because you just hear some like something percolating. Yeah, yeah. And then the guy is like tilting and all. Yeah, because like, you can see like tubes with like bread. I was, I was gonna Google that too because I was like, what is that? Well, the, the, to me, to me, I feel like because you know there's all this talk about fucking Hollywood elites like drinking baby blood and oh, all this yeah. shit like that. I feel like those rumors have been around for a long time, oh, and that was like a like hyperbolic, you know, version of something like that, something weird that rich coffee? people do. Yeah, of okay. course. Um, that rich people do. Um, you know. Yeah. And uh, I always thought that was weird. The girl that's like the assistant. Oh yeah, like you know the... she changes her accent. No, like, I, I wrote I wrote that down. So yeah, yeah, she's like, I'm really, really sorry. Yeah, but then I don't. Yeah, then I so when I when I was when I was, when I was watching when I was watching that part, um, I always found found it really weird. I think that's a eight like a ADR thing, which is when you record dialogue oh, yeah. after the after, fact, yeah. because even when she's saying it, like. I don't think it's it synced very well. So I'm wondering if, like, the actress, like, she was doing a French accent, and when she did it, it sounded so ridiculous that they're like, we gotta, we gotta really do this mm-hmm. over again, something like that. But that part really stuck out to me. It, it always did. Yeah. And then when I was watching this time, I was like, yeah, I gotta mention this because it's really yeah. weird. See if Vanessa noticed. See, and then I also, I understand, I kind of took it the other way. I was like, oh, like, you know, around like the elite to hear people with like accents makes them feel like more yeah yeah like, uh, yes yes definitely and, like, definitely more elitist. And then as soon as she realizes her boss is behind her, which also where the fuck did that guy come from? <laughs> <laughs> um, See, that's the that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of like weird, weird creepy elements yeah, in this movie. Yeah. Um, I I like that guy too. A very select group. And like yeah. stuff like that, and like his fucking weird twitchy eye. Like, oh every, yeah, but every, they kept like winking at her. <laughs> yeah, um, everybody in this movie has like just quirks, Something, like yeah. quirks that they like. That guy's got the eye thing earlier on. Helen has the like wrenching of the of the like rag then, thing. Where yeah, I remember being her a hand kid. starts bleeding. Yeah, I was gonna. Okay, so I forgot that I was gonna mention that as a kid. I that is one thing that I always remembered because yeah. I used to think, oh my god, she was twisting a Kleenex tissue. Well, I didn't realize it was like a handkerchief. But yeah. I and as a kid, I was like, "Oh my god, she's clenching a, a twisting a, a Kleenex until her hands bled." Mm. And I remember being a little kid and trying to do it. Yeah. Bored. No, for sure. That's that's so we've all done stuff like that. I think. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, she she's trying to trying to get a rejuvenation whatever so she looks young because they got to go to this party later on um which is another thing is like i was so it, and it, and it's really funny it paints a, a very odd picture because i obviously i saw this movie at a very young age mm-hmm. and i am not a woman and i i felt growing up and i feel like there are stereotypes of women and how they interact with other women oh yeah that sure. i like i just assume not being a woman and not knowing the ins and outs of how women's relationships work i just mm-hmm. i there's so many things that were perpetuated by hollywood and the mm-hmm. media that i just assume were correct but like i said i just don't understand at this point why meryl streep would go to her show maybe just to gloat or whatever i don't i don't know 
Have you ever gone and done something with somebody you didn't like and you just didn't realize why you went in the first place? Mm, I mean, yeah, probably. I probably have. But I also feel like, doesn't everybody do that? Yeah, I guess so. Like, you know, I don't know if that's per se. I mean, once again, Stephen is perpetuating this stereotype because he's assuming that I'm asking you a question. I mean, yeah, I think I mean, I just think when you're younger, I, I think people just go and do things just to I don't know, you don't want to miss out on something. So you just yeah. go. But then, yeah, you're like, I probably couldn't have gone. I probably would have been fine not doing this. Yeah. Um. I mean, I guess that's kind of the experience. I would say I mean I guess it's kind of hard because I feel like you have I mean this is not a simple question I mean <laughs> um, I, I do think that you, you're right it's it's just something that people do and I feel like uh, it says a lot about these characters specifically mm-hmm. um, it's something that young people I think do mm-hmm. and people that can't move on from like trivial shit that happened mm-hmm. in the past or whatever so people that don't grow up which being as vain as as uh Meryl Streep is in this movie and how obsessive Helen Hunt is in this movie for those two characters it makes sense that they would continuously like do this cuz in a sense it's a very immature mm-hmm. like bitter rivalry thing that that goes on I mean uh, yeah that's true I mean I would if we're looking at it from like you know if these characters are actually developed with some sort of depth <laughs> Um, I think that it would it would be kind of interesting because if you if you knew more about them maybe like and we kind of talked about this if we, if yeah. we mentioned like a prequel uh-huh. if maybe we knew more about them as people or their characters so to speak like maybe you could somehow uncover that maybe both of them never had validation and they in, do that very very quickly when mm-hmm. they like make up at the end right yeah right because they kind of like talk about they hash out they like bitch and complain or yeah. like they argue with each other and then yeah. they're like oh right we need Ernest uh-huh. to kind of yeah we're fine now we're friends <laughs> um yeah they do do that but I think that that also like um and it's kind of interesting that I mean once again coming from like the male gaze perspective not gaze but perspective on it is just kind of like they kind of gloss over that whole thing yeah 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 and then it's like you know I mean, because then things would just... I think if you were to really, like, unravel it, it would come down to, like, the patriarchy, right? It would come back to the society. More than likely, more than likely, yes. But, Um, I mean, people don't want... It's not... That doesn't... It's not funny, though, That doesn't sell tickets. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, So, like we said, she's... They're going to go to this show Mm -hmm. of... Or to a book signing or after party or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, and they go, and then they see that Helen uh, Helen has become this like glamorous woman that even before she went through her like dark stage, she wasn't like all dressed up and you know glamorous the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and immediately Meryl Streep feels like, oh my god, we have to get out of here. Like you can't talk to her or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean. It's all by design, obviously. She's trying to ruin Meryl Streep's life and everything. Mm-hmm. So that, that literally lights the lights the fuse to pretty much to get to Ernest to like destroy destroy her and everything. Um and after leaving there, after having their interactions and everything, I always, I always like the the sneer that um Goldie Hahn like gives when she kisses uh meryl streep on the cheek or whatever because mm-hmm. she did Cause that she did to that her at the beginning, at the beginning of the movie yeah. 
Um, just the just the sneers. I well, just I, leaving the damn lipstick on your yeah, cheek. Yeah, yeah. It's that um, it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> like an ins- like an insult. Yeah. Um, all on its own. Uh, but yeah, we get some good stuff in that scene. Like we said, we were talking about uh, when Bruce Willis is at the bar, and mm-hmm. you find out, and then that that becomes a very specific like plot point is that he uses spray, spray paint, paint on mm-hmm. dead bodies um, because he's a mortician now, um, which. I was thinking, like, that lady gets really upset with him, but I was like, dude, I mean, they're just putting makeup on your family's dead body anyway. I mean, any way that you get the job done, it's, I don't know. I mean, it was a little insensitive. <laughs> yeah, on. I guess he didn't have to tell But you know her. what? I think that's what I loved about this movie the most was that, like, there's no victim in this. There really isn't. There's there really no isn't. Because even you as, 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 uh, <laughs> as shitty as Ernest's life is, I mean, he murders Meryl Streep, at, like, later on in the movie. it's not even that. It's just, like, yeah, fool, you literally, like, like sw- left your fiancé <laughs> yeah, to go be too. with this lady after lunch show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of meeting her. Uh, yeah, that's very, very true. Um, I I love uh, I love Meryl's performance when she goes to her, like, Sancho's house, and he's, like, putting his pants on, oh, and there's some, like, yeah. other young naked woman in the house, but her, like, a couple of the line, a couple of the lines that she gives in there is, like, he's holding her hands, and then mm-hmm. he doesn't want her to come inside, and her delivery of the line, like, oh, my God, you're not alone, like, yeah. uh, when she says that line, I'm just, like, God, she just seems like she really, it, like, I don't know, that, like, that person... Like we said, the characters aren't written with that right. much depth, but Meryl Streep is such a good actress mm-hmm. that when she delivers certain lines, I feel like that person actually exists mm-hmm. because, I mean, that's just an testament to mm-hmm. how good of an actress she is. But that line was really good and then just really funny when he's like, oh, she's the sister of the the guy that was fixing it. And she's like, for God's sake, just lie quickly. Like yeah, that, lie like, quickly. He's that, like, I'm trying to. Yeah, like... <laughs> Just those lines. She's just so funny in this movie. I, I really enjoy her performance. Yeah, I think it's funny, too, that just, like, going back to, like, the whole idea of the movie, right? It's like, oh, she's getting old. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, people don't like old. Yeah, yeah. don't like old. Yeah. And so I just think it was funny that they, out of all the things she, like, looks and catches a glimpse of, this like, young <laughs> she girl's likes butt. Like, and she's like, you know, uh, so, yeah. which, which makes it more funny when, like, uh, you know, she drinks the potion. Yeah. And then you, the first thing you see is her butt perfect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, jeez. Um, dude, and the the sound her boobs make when they like inflate. <laughs> oh, I was reading. <laughs> I was reading things about that. Really? That whole thing was so. They said something like they had some sort of things to pull for the special effects. They yeah. Had something to pull her breasts up, or it was a bra that like cinched. Uh-huh. But then it didn't look realistic enough, so they actually like had somebody lift her boot. Like they had her, <laughs> like one after the other. Yeah, it was like the makeup artist's hands were like the ones lifting her boot. Oh wow! And that um, I actually um, read too that like Meryl Streep actually didn't like making this movie. Or she said it was the first and last time she'll ever make a movie like this. With special effects, I, yeah. I was reading that too. Yeah, yeah. she said it was like, like a big headache. Yeah, she didn't like having to like act. Like to a broom and stuff, yeah, 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 yeah. Which yeah makes sense. No, I can understand. A lot of a lot of actors don't uh, particularly enjoy that. Yeah. Um, but. But especially Meryl. Meryl yeah, especially Meryl. Like we don't we don't do things that Meryl doesn't like yeah, here. Exactly. Um, yeah. So she drives away. All I I love too that like it's. 
old Hollywood where they're like driving like crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It the... when I, I was gonna bring that up. Well, right before that, she's like running away, and the guy's like yelling at her, like, "Oh, you should date somebody your own age or whatever." And she's all distraught, and then like the Hollywood effects of like the rain just like it, it turns on. You could tell it's literally just on her. Straight, yeah. Which one? I I think might have been done on purpose, like because this movie's super cartoonish, mm-hmm. and like that's something that would happen in a cartoon. And then I love, like you said, when she's driving, and like you could, you could tell it's like she's in a car by herself, and it just reminded. I mean, this movie was released by Universal Pictures, mm-hmm. um, and if you live in California, you might have been to Universal Studios. I remember there was a effects show where you um, you go and they show you how they do a bunch of different effects. They do mm-hmm. sound effects, like so they get people from the audience and they play on this big screen, mm-hmm. feet walking through the mud, and then you get to squish the like dirt in a on a plate with the thing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I was there one time, my mom, the guy that my mom was dating, he what they did was they had like just basically the cabin of a car with no front wheels or the Mm -hmm. trunk or anything and then they put another audience member inside there put put the camera on them and then they had my mom's boyfriend and he was outside move like jacking up the car car. moving moving it around and everything and i I just when i watched it last night i remembered that because they show it on the screen you could see what it looks looks like and it looks pretty real Mm -hmm. so when i was watching that this time i was like oh that reminds me exactly of of that stuff. Yeah. But anyway, she she catches a glimpse of herself in the mirror and she like screams because she can't believe she's not who she was when she was younger yeah. or whatever. I mean, the first time I watched it as a kid, I remember thinking, what was that? And yeah. Then I realized like she saw adult. a ghost or something. She, yeah. She saw her reflection. <laughs> and it was old. And it was old. Because that's the whole, the whole purpose of the story is like, you know, nobody likes old. <laughs> no one likes to be old. I, okay. So that's is very true. Um, I, I wasn't really thinking of, of it like that this last time around more, more than anything, because of, especially the day and age we live in today mm-hmm. where celebrities are just everywhere because mm-hmm. everybody has a phone and everything. Mm-hmm. And especially like the, the beauty standards of like Instagram and everything else like that. More was coming across to me this time around, which I mean, definitely you're right. Uh, especially like we said, written by men, directed by men and everything like that. But what was coming across to me was just like the whole vanity aspect of it, mm. which, like we said, can basically be like written down to patriarchy. Yeah, or, so. I was gonna say, yeah, everybody makes it sound like women's biggest fear is to like yeah. get old when it's actually like, gee, I wonder who gave them that idea. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> um, so right after she has that like panic attack or whatever, she finds the card that she ripped up and decides to go see uh-huh. Isabella Rossellini. Um, I love the decor of this movie. Yeah, it's, it's very art deco. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I lo- like everything in Isabella Rossellini's house is made of marble and like yeah. big high ceilings and everything. I don't know. I just love. I I and being a, a kid when I was younger, I was like, oh, if I was ever rich like that, I would have like a big ass house that would look yeah. weird and creep creepy like that. Oh heck no! But I also do I. I don't know how much research, but this popped into my head when I watched it. Was like, why were Doberman Pinchers such a big thing? The, in right? The 90s? Yeah, they really were. They really were. <laughs> I was like, I even remember like the cartoon Oliver and Company. I mean, yeah. I think that came on the eighties, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Late eighties, early nineties. 
Um, what's up with the Doberman pinchers? But that, every dog has their we yeah. Every dog has their time. Yeah. <laughs> we they me, get a moment. Me and Jerry usually usually talk about it. it's it's not always a sense very different things. Like we're always like, oh, Chicago was really big in the nineties or like New York was really big or like whatever. Oh, it's just like cities have their yeah, time. Yeah, like I think Chicago is more of like the eighties and New York was really popular in the nineties. Mm-hmm. It's it just things have relevance in certain eras yeah. and then nobody because i so mean weird, yeah though. it is really weird but it's just what pop culture tells us we should be liking i guess yeah but i mean okay going back to this because i'm not quite done with this thought okay <laughs> i just the but like then you wonder like is is that a reflection of pop culture or is it like or are these movies and films shaping like what we what they are well, what they are trying to like? I mean, life make Im- life imitates art. So well, right, but if if it happened once, then somebody else saw it, and then they make like okay. So if you saw something in a movie, mm-hmm. a cool jacket or a cool haircut, then you're gonna start doing that, and then mm-hmm. everybody starts doing that, and then Hollywood sees that everybody's doing it. So then it's in another movie, and then mm-hmm. another movie, and then another movie until it's not popular anymore. I just wonder what what was up because I even remember Blank Check. Yeah, Blank Check. They also had a Doberman in there. <laughs> Listen, I told you my repertoire of movies are very small, but yes. you can guarantee when there's a villain, there's a fucking Doberman Pinscher. That's in true. There. Maybe it's because they're like, are they German dogs? And Germans oh, are, are. I don't know any of that. Germans are Nazis. What? Dang. Whenever, I mean, whenever. I mean, I know German shepherds, but um, whenever I think of like, what kind of breed? Let's Google this. <laughs> oh God. What kind of breed is? Where do where do Doberman Pinschers? come from oh, hail what? from that's a different podcast anyway um uh, uh yeah that's our dog podcast yeah. um it's called bow bow. no it's called Dogcast. <laughs> it's called podcast with the p-a-w Impossible. um anyway so meryl streep this is another one of my favorite scenes mm-hmm. uh isabella rossellini's like really going for it mm-hmm. when when she's talking to meryl streep i love their dialogue with each other um Meryl Streep is very apprehensive and pretty much wants to leave every chance that she gets. But mm-hmm. Isabella Rossellini's like making her stay, and she's so desperate at this point that she kind of will do anything to be young and and forever or whatever. Be, as a kid, I really loved the the box when oh, they when yeah. they unravel it and it like kind of like Once poofs. Again, something and, I do remember that film and like seeing the seeing the potion like stand purple. up and everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just so iconic to me. And I was like, oh, at some like me Jerry always me and Jerry always talk about this too. Is like, oh, it's there were so many things in our in our in our childhood that we thought like, oh, at some point this is gonna happen to us. Mm-hmm. Like. Oh, at some when we saw Ninja Turtles, we're like, oh, at some point oh. we're gonna be in the sewers for some reason. Oh, really? But why would we ever be in the sewers for any well, reason? Well, yeah, that's true. I did think in some weird way I'd be like in a hocus pocus <laughs> or like right. traveling through a town that my parent, no, well, my parent wasn't yeah. around. Yeah, for. or like, but no, I don't. At some point in my life, I'm gonna be stuck on a raft, which is oh, a ridiculous. Like yeah. just, just some, yeah. just some stuff that happens to kids in movies or mm-hmm. happens in movies. And this was another one, like, oh, at some point, somebody's gonna have a potion that I might have to decide or and I have to ask all to the drink or whatever. Yeah, before I drink it. But um, yeah, I love I love Isabella Rossellini's like uh, her whole sale to her. How old would you guess I am? I wouldn't. Come on, don't try to flatter me. Thirty-eight. Oh, 28. 
23. I am 71 years old. That's what it does. It stops the aging process dead in its tracks and forces it into retreat. Drink that potion and you'll never grow even one day older. Don't drink it and continue to watch yourself rot. She's going to leave, but then she sticks her with her with the knife and then shows her her hand and it, one of them gets young the other one stays like old, like older um just that just that whole interaction between them that's probably one of my favorite scenes mm-hmm. it's really eerie and i think as an audience member you're i wouldn't say you're concerned for meryl streep but you're also just questioning like who the fuck are these people like why is that dude in a fucking like wrestling outfit and answering what do they the do door. In the daytime? Yeah. What do they do when they're not luring yeah. people? And she you know, and she's like talking about how she hasn't seen a a, a winter or a fall uh-huh. in like years or whatever. Yeah. She falls the spring, which I was thinking about and I was like, How does that work? Because I know on the southern hemisphere it's the opposite. So like wait, if we're wait, in winter so she's never seen a fall or a winter. She, yeah, that's what she says. Well, because she lives in California. Stupid. What? It's true. <laughs> um yeah. Prove me wrong. Okay. Um, that's true, actually. But I also, what's funny is that it really does uh, kind of uh, play into all the conspiracies, like, and how she says, like, but once you, I don't, how many years does she say? She, you, stay, you could, you, you could be, you could be, a, you could be out in the public for ten years, 10 more years and then you and have then you to have completely to leave from the public eye. Yeah, you have yeah. To leave from the, and fake your own death. And I love how she makes this whole like, because then it's like. Then she starts to talk about, I think she makes like innuendo comments about Elvis. Yeah, like, well, no, later on at the end of the movie, you see, you see Elvis, you, you see, see James Marilyn, Dean. James yeah, Dean, Marilyn Monroe, and fucking Jim Morrison's yeah. in the pool at the end. <laughs> um, but yeah, all that, all that stuff's really cool. And then obviously she's leaving and she gets a glimpse of herself in the mirror and notices that she l- still looks the same. Yeah. And then <clears throat> in that moment, she uh, her skin brightens up, her wrinkles go away. Like we said, her butt pops up, her boobs mm-hmm. pop up, and her waist like slims down, mm-hmm. and she's like super happy, couldn't be happier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get the next scene. She goes home, and uh, oh, all, all, all while this is happening, this uh, Ernest and um, Goldie Hawn, Goldie Hawn, Helen, they're mm-hmm. making out with each other, and uh. Another one of my favorite parts is like the whole plan that she goes over. Mm-hmm. Now listen to me, Ernest. I've thought this thing through carefully and I know it's the only way. Tonight, while she's asleep, you'll sneak downstairs quietly, go to the study, and take one of each kind of wine glass from the shelf. Then you'll take this Narconol and lightly coat each glass. As you know, Narconol is a very powerful alcohol-based tranquilizer, so you won't need much. Tomorrow, I'll call Madeline to say goodbye. I'll try to get her to invite me to dinner. Fine. Why don't you just come to dinner? Then at dinner, we propose a toast. No matter which glass she drinks from, the Narconol will be on the glass. Then you and I work together quickly. First, we finish dinner. Then we load her in the car, take her to the top of Mulholland Drive, call the police, and report that we've seen a drunk woman swerving dangerously close to the edge. Some drunk woman up here on Mulholland swerving dangerously close to the edge. We'll sit her up in the driver's seat and make it look like she's had 
Just a little bit too much to drink. We drop the car into gear. Wedge her foot down on the accelerator. Clamp her hands on the steering wheel and send her on her way. By the time they perform the autopsy, the Narcanol will be completely dissolved, leaving only traces of alcohol. She'll be classified as just another drunk driver. They'll check her blood alcohol. Point four oh. She had it coming. And think nothing more of it. I love like her her voiceover and the things that she's saying, like those show a woman's drunk and she's driving terribly close to the edge and then uh she's literally drunk and driving yeah and then it's like oh she just had a little bit of alcohol and there's like 80 empty (laughs) bottles all over the car and then i love uh i love the the like doctor that's like point four oh she had it coming and like all, all that stuff uh i think all that stuff's really really funny um it's very like Simpsons-esque to I'll me. I'll say, like you said, cartoonish. Yeah, it's it's super, super, super cartoonish. Um, that's one of, that's, I remember as a kid just watching that part and just thinking like, oh, this is really fun, like fun. Uh, a fun way to talk about murdering somebody. <laughs> uh, it doesn't seem that bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also really, really like Goldie Hawn seducing Bruce Willis. Get in. I, I, I didn't hear the gate. I didn't want you to hear. Ernest, ask me to go. Wait. Ask me to leave this house immediately. You just got here. I know. I know, but it just took me a minute, a glimpse, and I was right back where I started. Where's that? Don't pretend you're not aware of it. What? You're a powerful, sexual being, Ernest. Yes, you are. And if I never told you before, it's because I just wasn't the sort of girl that could say the word sexual without blushing. Well, I can now. Sexual. Sensual. Sexy. keeps repeating yeah. sex and like the look on his face is dude bruce willis in this movie is just so ridiculous but i find it really really funny um but yeah she ends up going back to the house and she has that brief argument with Ernest, and then he pushes her down the stairs mm-hmm. and flaccid yeah flaccid <laughs> I, I think when I was a little kid, I used to say that to people oh as an insult, God. but I had no idea what it meant oh, at all. Yeah. And it, at that age, there's no reason Somebody to be fucking. But yeah, I'm, but I would say it to like people I knew, like my kids that yeah. I knew, and they didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what it meant, right. and so it really didn't wow. mean it didn't really mean anything at all. 
Um, but yeah, he knocks her down the stairs and he's panicking and he calls uh, he calls Helen to tell her that he killed her. And while that's happening, she gets up behind him, uh-huh. neck broke, her head's on oh, backwards. Yeah. And uh, at the time, like we said, the CGI was very groundbreaking it, yeah. and everything. Watching it now, it's dated for sure. Oh, like, yeah. it looks. I, I remember being a kid and being really impressed about the hole in yeah, yeah, yeah. Goldie Hawn's stomach. I was like, yeah, oh my yeah. god, you can see right through. Even when she sits down, uh-huh. it's like, it's, uh. <laughs> it's a, you know, that's what happens with yeah. movies, you know. I mean, it's, yeah. But uh, yeah, she wakes up. Ernest panics like anybody else would because mm-hmm. one, he knocked down the stairs. Two, her head's on backwards. But I love how quickly when she's realizes her predicament like how quickly she's like wants Ernest to take care of her right away Mm -hmm. and he and even him he's like so I don't know if it's his guilt or like just his shock because he's talking to a dead woman um that he's like they almost seem affectionate with each other Mm -hmm. um because either that or he didn't want to go to jail for murder yeah that's yeah for sure with, with that there's no victims in this movie yeah not not at all <laughs> nothing um, going on uh I, I would say one victim is uh the doctor who checks on meryl streep and then immediately has he like dies. a heart attack right <laughs> afterwards because he's like i need a doctor he's he's telling like, he's telling her he's checking on meryl streep and uh her wrist is broken mm-hmm. in several she places, no he says. Pulse. And she's like pretty much room temperature. No temperature. Yeah. yeah so. Um, so he's like, I'm going to get a second opinion. Runs out of the room. Uh, Ernest doesn't want to wait there. He goes to look for him. And then he sees him getting like, try- they're trying to bring him back to life mm-hmm. with like defibrillators and everything. Um, and then he goes back to the room. And because she passed out, mm-hmm. didn't have a pulse or anything like that, the doctors took her to the morgue or the people in the hospital took her to the morgue. And, uh, like I said, I, that's another, it's just a cool, it's the premise of this movie is really fun. Um, but I, I like their conversation down in the morgue as well. It's, mm. it's, uh, Bruce Willis's like reasoning for it. Like he's like, Oh, this is my opportunity. Uh, yeah. My- I'm, I'm being tested. We're supposed to be together and all this stuff. Yeah. It's just like so much, <clears throat> so much of, uh, He's he's just trying to reason with it anyway because dude, you're, this person's dead and you're talking to yeah. him, and that's why I was saying like this, like all that happens in one day, and then they go back to the house. Goldie Hawn's spying on them, mm-hmm. and then she ends up showing also, up. That scene is super cartoonish, also the way she like jumps over. And oh she's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Around, like, she's like a fucking like, like a spy. Yeah. I was okay, so I was wondering actually last night because she hops into that, she go hops over the fence. And she's spying, and then she hears the car backing out of the driveway, so she jumps on the floor, uh-huh. and the car speeds around the 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 roundabout, yeah. and then stops right in front of her face. And I was like, "Oh, it's a stunt woman," but then she lifts her head up, and it's Goldie Hawn. So I was like, "Oh shit, she really did that." And the car gets there really, really close. But I was oh. like, with the practical effects in this movie, I wonder if they superimposed her face on there. Oh. But it looked like- legitimate to me, which I was like, "Damn, that's the crazy!" Because if she really did that, that's pretty gnarly um because anyway you cut it like that car comes to like a fucking really hard stop like uh-huh. right next to you her her face or whatever what a daredevil <laughs> if it was her yeah who know. knows i i'm actually interested I'm, I'm probably gonna look that up and see if if that can was i ask case. you a question sure if you were earnest would you drink the potion 
I don't know. I don't. If you would have asked me when I first saw this movie, I probably would have. Well, yeah, because you're a kid. Yeah. Okay. Me as a person now, <laughs> probably not. I think I would have the same problems with it as he did. And then also, like, knowing the consequences, because he sees both of these women. But are, you would have to already... die the way he died. What do you mean? Oh, wait, no, never mind. Sorry, I messed up that scene. No, because he falls in the pool, he doesn't die. Oh, like, I mean, like, okay, so you're just saying I'm, I am Ernest. Well, I'm not yeah. just me no, getting no, no, the opportunity. No, 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 it's not you, Steven. It's oh, okay. Ernest. If I was, oh, well, then, abso- well then, then absolutely not. I wouldn't do that because I wouldn't want to spend the rest of my life with these two horrible, horrible people. Corpses. Yeah, <laughs> these two horrible corpses that are going to ruin my life for as long as I live. Forever. Forever. Yeah, so definitely not. Um, yeah, uh, so... He goes and he gets his formaldehyde and his paint mm-hmm. and everything like that. And then he goes back to the house. He's painting Meryl Streep, um, spray painting her. And then somebody keeps calling. I love his, I can't deal with all these distractions. Mm-hmm. Just like his, his. he's just so zany in this yeah, movie. He is. It's really funny. Um, and then he ends up going downstairs and uh, Goldie Hawn's already there with shovels. And like I think she has like lime and rope mm-hmm. and everything. And everything like that, and then she's like, "Where is she? Where is she?" He thinks she's dead. She thinks she's dead, and everything. And little does she know, Meryl Streep's listening to them at the top of the staircase. And then you get the whole confrontation with her and Meryl, and uh, the the shotgun. I remember watching this as a little kid and just thinking, like, "Holy crap! If you got shot by a gun, you fly through the air," which is. Not like that to any extent or whatever, mm. but they're trying to get the body all ready to get buried in Death Valley, and then she, Helen, picks her head up, and then you get that like iconic little, which I thought today I was like, oh, that would have worked really good for the poster, like the body with the hole in it, and you just see Bruce Willis and Meryl Streep's face through the stomach. She like stands up in the fountain. Oh yeah. I was like, oh, that would be a good a good poster, yeah. but instead they just have their. Well, they had to show. They have to show Goldie Hawn. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. Uh, but yeah, she gets up. She's got a giant hole in her stomach, and then I love Ernest's stupid ass line. It's another miracle. Like he's just he's just so much in denial yeah. and doesn't want to deal with the consequences well, of I mean, everything that's at happening. At that point, I mean, you're trying to reason with something you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, like, something really he, ridiculous. Yeah, maybe what's her name? Um, Madison or what am I thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Madeline, Madeline. Madeline. Madeline is like has access to all these like elite things, but in his mind, being like. Well, what would the there's no explanation as to why? Two yeah, I mean, are... he's he's a he's a very rational. I mean, he's he's a doctor. He knows what a live and a dead person should be. So, yeah. it it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to him. And then we get the whole the whole clash uh, with the shovels. They're fighting mm. fighting the death, and you get some really to this day. It's even though the the um the graphics and stuff are a little outdated. Still, like, really kind of creepy where she knocks her, like, head back Backwards. and it's just, like, a torso with yeah. no head. Or she, you when she all the bones. Yeah, when oh. she knocks it in and it's all, like, Ugh. her skin's all, like, so ruffled gross. up and everything. Yeah. I'm just like, oh. Yeah, there are parts I couldn't. I mean, not that, like, oh, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's so realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I you're guess just you're like, ugh. Yeah, you're it's like, ugh. what those bones feel like. Um, like yeah, that, that stuff is But all... I think that movie, definitely, I think my sisters and I did have a shovel fight once. Really? Yeah. Because of the movie? Well, yeah, they're... They're fighting with shovels. 
But I don't think we had like full on big shovels. I think my grandma, my grandma's very little. So yeah, she like had these like little short shovels. Uh, yes. Like kind of like beach shovels. Yeah. So wow, um, that movie was a little more uh, influential than I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then you get the uh, Meryl Streep shovel breaks and then she throws it through Goldie Hawn's body. Mm-hmm. And then she sits on it in the couch and goes through her stomach. Mm -hmm. I just remember being a little kid and thinking, yeah, these are, it looks great. This is really cool. Um, Just a bunch of movie magic. Uh, But yeah, they come, they start bickering and then they just, uh, at this point, Bruce Willis has just had it. And he goes upstairs and he's just like, I got to get the fuck out of here. I'm not going to deal with these ladies Mm -hmm. fighting for the rest of their life. Um, so they come to the conclusion that they can be friends and everything, and they want Ernest to hang around, but he doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> they decide to drug him, um, but he does. He gives up the alcohol, and then uh, they don't push him down the stairs. They like, oh, they break they two vases face. vases yeah. over his head, and then when he wakes up, uh, he's in Isabella Rossellini's <clears throat> pool area, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the pool area, and that was. Uh, I he, and then he asks all the right questions. Yeah, I don't. What I don't. What am I gonna rem- do being alive forever? I remember that scene, and I remember. I always remember the line when he's like, "Oh, am I just supposed to watch everybody die in front of me?" Blah uh-huh. blah, whatever. I always remember that line. But this time around, watching it, um, that might that just that conversation and like that realization that Ernest has, that might be my favorite part of the movie, mm-hmm. um, because. When I mean, in any situation, if you think, oh, like, wouldn't that be cool if you could just live forever or whatever on face value, you're like, oh, yeah, that'd be really cool. But the, you know, the questions that he brings up, everybody, I think after a while, if they gave it enough time, they would think the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you could be eternally young and everything mm-hmm. like that, it, it I don't know. I think that scene is just really, really cool. And the fact that Isabella Rossellini can't believe that he would turn down that. He doesn't want to look yeah, young. And yeah, young all that stuff. Um, so that whole part I really, really liked. And, um, obviously he decides not to do it, mm-hmm. uh, and runs through the party. And then that's when we see everybody, the Dobermans again, the Dobermans, they, they chase him. I love, Elvis, when, I love when he gets, yeah, presidents, Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe, Monroe, James Dean, uh, he fought, he, after he falls, um, Jim Morrison. through the, through the glass, he sees Jim Morrison, um, and he steals James Dean's car to get out of there. Yeah. Which I was like, <clears throat> one thing, because obviously they have to look like they did because then other people wouldn't get the Recognize reference at all. Yeah. But in my head, I'm like, would they be wearing the same shit? Like, mm-hmm. they're going to, I mean, it doesn't make they any sense. They have to be like in those iconic, like, yeah, yeah. Because other, otherwise nobody would notice them. Yeah. Marilyn was in the dress. Yeah. Elvis was in the suit. Yeah. James Dean was in the jacket. Yeah. The jeans. Yeah. So. Um, Jim's more the leather pants, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, and then the movie goes on. He he bolts out of there, and the movie goes on. Um, and it fast forwards to his funeral, which apparently the original ending is Bruce Willis is at a uh, at a bar, Mm -hmm. and he can and a bartender. He's talking to a bartender about this, Mm -hmm. and then he convinces a bartender to help him fake his own death. So that he doesn't, they don't think he's alive anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they run into him like years later or whatever. But I guess Robert Zemeckis thought that that 
one the audiences when they tested it they didn't like it very much oh, yeah. and then so he thought it was too like happy so they did they ended up doing the uh real ending whereas they're at ernest's funeral he was super old when he died and he yeah, had an, i've got a lot of issues with this another movie. another marriage with another lady he had a bunch of kids lived a very fruitful life yeah he lived happily ever after yeah and then uh <laughs> They they leave because they're being obnoxious at his funeral, mm-hmm. and then they trip on a spray can, spray can, uh, or spray paint can mm-hmm. on the stairs, and they trip, and then they shatter into a bunch of pieces. Meryl Streep's head's rolling around in a circle, and then it kind of just ends mm-hmm. like that. So, what problems does she have with the ending? Well, for obvious reasons, like why does Ernest get to live? I I I, I think the redemption is because he didn't take he no, didn't take the potion. No, no, I don't want to hear that because my thoughts. This is my idea of this. It's like okay, it was the the mistake, right? The mistake initially of him um, leaving Goldie Hawn yeah. for Meryl Streep. Okay, what a mistake. But I'm a different man now. I I was I've stayed married to. Meryl Streep, even as her career went to shit, and yeah. I became a shit like mortician, whatever, and and you just think like, oh, because he had this epiphany of not wanting to live forever, now he gets to start his whole life. Over. I think I think when oh, I'm not done yet. Okay, okay. <laughs> when you know these women that once again society tells us you know we need X Y and Z to stay you know I don't know desired yeah. Um, you know, in in an impulse, in desperation, the way marketing preys on insecurities of women, like they take so this they're, they're they're absolved of their actually role. there are victims of this story. <laughs> the women, <laughs> <laughs> and I also have been victimized by this. <laughs> it's just like okay, you impulsively your your life your life is at like an all time low, so yeah. you take this thing because somebody tells you is gonna help you. <laughs> Literally, the, the most beautiful woman, Isabel Rossellini, is telling you to take this potion. Yeah, you want to look like that bitch? I'm like, yeah, let me take one. And and you, you for what? Like, for what? So then they realize it has nothing to do with earnest. Yeah. But it has to do with being, you know, relevant and desired uh-huh. to not be old because society tells you you can't be old. So, like I said, why? Why does Ernest get... Just because his epiphany of like, oh, this is bad. We... I can, in my society that I live in, I'm allowed to grow old and have a wife and kids and start over again and live my old happy little life. Whereas, like, now these women are doomed forever to, you know, Humpty Dumpty themselves for the rest of their, for all eternity because society told them they couldn't get old. I like that term, Humpty Dumpty themselves. Well... (laughs) <laughs> that's that's a good way to put it. Um I think I think uh you're you're right. Uh the only thing that I think is the nail in the coffin in in that aspect is I think if you take Ernest out of murdering Madeline, mm-hmm. he it's okay for him to be happy later on because yes, you could be imp- like impulsive and leave your wife for some other lady mm-hmm. and then be in a horrible marriage and then leave her and then I mean People are people and bad things happen, but you should be able to, like, I'm not saying that he shouldn't feel bad about all that stuff or whatever, but if his life is completely separated from what happened before, if this was a movie not about death and it was Mm -hmm. just a movie about relationships or whatever, 
if he removes himself from that situation and he didn't murder his wife, I think, okay. But the fact that he murdered Madeline, I think that's the nail in the coffin as why he shouldn't have got a happy ending. No, I don't think that at all. I think... But I think you can say you make that same argument for the women. Like, yeah, you it, could. Yeah, you could. But they both planned to murder. They uh, both yeah, murdered. Okay, they both if, murdered people. I'm going to take your words. If you take away the murdering of each other yeah. out of the equation, yeah, yeah, yeah. it ultimately is yeah, these women. Yeah, if you take the murder out of the equation and the fact that they did, and take the whole premise of the movie, them taking the potion, it had both of them made those decisions. If 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 if. Uh, Helen out in the fucking in the psych ward decided that instead of hearing what she wanted to hear from the doctor Mm -hmm. and just thought you're right I just need to remove this woman from my life and then went on to be a famous writer and had a happy life cool but she didn't she fucking went to extreme measures took a fucking potion to like do all that stuff and then plotted to murder a woman Steven 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 once again it sounds like you're making excuses for murderers is what it sounds like I'm definitely not I would want to make excuses and give reasons as to why they felt the need to take the potion. Because you're making two, you're saying that if they didn't, if they didn't murder, that's one thing. But they took the potion. Yeah, the potion has everything to do with things outside of themselves and not themselves. Okay. So is it wrong that they took a potion? I think so. Yeah. No. Why? There's no right and wrong. I don't. Okay. So like, so like, so like you're saying. I think you you were like in a moment of desperation, mm-hmm. everything like that. But I think. I mean, that's like saying. Let's, for example, we talk about plastic surgery. Yeah. Okay. So somebody who gets plastic surgery, and then it's a botched job. Yeah. Or do you say, well, you shouldn't have got the plastic surgery? Yeah. Well, Stephen. But if they're taking, if they're feeling pressure from outside, and and not saying that that's a reason, but that is a reason why people get plastic surgery. Uh-huh. It's not just like I'm doing this for myself. There's also other reasons people feel this pressure. Yeah. So they get plastic surgery, and if it's a botched plastic surgery, then you're saying, well, you shouldn't have got it in the first. Well, place. no, okay, not, no, 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 no. So this is this is what I would say about that. If it's a botched surgery, then. I would feel bad for the person because obviously they're paying a perfect they they're paying a professional mm-hmm. to do a job and the professional didn't do their job and it's like oh shit that sucks. But if they got surgery and then weren't satisfied with that and got more and weren't satisfied with that and they were just perpetually unsatisfied with it, then I would be like, well, what did you like Steven, why are you doing this? They didn't take multiple potions. They took one potion. But one there's time. there's a difference between no, going there's a difference between dude. <laughs> This is night and day. There's a difference between going to a plastic surgeon, which everybody does, and going and taking a fucking potion that's going to keep you alive even when you're dead. They were desperate. They didn't ask all the questions. It's uh, like the fine print. Okay. Nobody really reads all it. Right. You tell me what the fine print of yourself phone agreement is. Okay. All right. Um, we're never going to We'll, agree, we'll agree to disagree on yes, this one. Clearly. I think I think uh, all of them are murderers and... Uh, None of them are good people. But apparently Bruce Willis gets to live happily ever after. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Trash. (laughs) (laughs) I never said I was happy for the guy. No, but you certainly agree that that's how it should be. (laughs) If he didn't try to murder, or if he didn't murder someone, it would be okay for somebody to go through horrible relationships and then just live their life. I mean, I think that if if we're going to be talk about fairness then i think at least goldie hahn and meryl streep should i never have been said able... anything about fair okay, life right. isn't fair you're right but i'm saying is that you say 
well, I think it's okay for him to go on. I didn't say that, I didn't say that it was okay for him to do anything that he did. I think it's okay for people to, to have lived on. a life and then move on from oh, their yeah, mistakes. And I'm not saying that you can't do that either. It kind of sounds like no, that's what you're saying. No, 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 that's not a, at Sa- all. What it I'm seems saying. like you, you, he's supposed to be unhappy no, for the rest I, of his life because he was no, a bad person at I, one point. No, I don't think that. I just think that that like totally. Um, you know, it just re- that's what society tells you. It's like that men can go ahead and move on, whereas like women are left with consequences. What if? What if? Okay, so let's say we were talking about this because we're, we're gonna we're gonna have to get we're gonna have to get to the end of this pretty soon anyway. Oh, okay. But what if for say we were saying about making for today's audience? What if we did a reversal? It was two gay guys and a and or two two bisexual or just no and 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 the other you, role and the other role is a woman and the woman ends up happy. Is that okay? No, because we're talking about we're talking about society, uh-huh. and if things come back to society, we need to be talking about cis, you know, white, heterosexual men. Yes, or I, cis, yeah, whatever. I'm I, sorry, I know I messed that or up. Or if they were all, if they were all, if they were all women, if they were just all women in this situation, um, they're all like gay women that were no, in relationships with each but other. But you're not understanding the intersections. What I'm saying is that like. Men, straight men, don't have to like that thing. Like society tells them that they like all, the society works for them. So yes. you're talking about you're talking about women or gay women or gay men, but then society in itself doesn't work for those people. So what I'm saying is like that kind of doesn't really. You're kind of telling the same. I mean, it, you just because then everything comes back to like how society views these groups, right? society views women as this and so oh these women made these choices so these are their consequences oh like you know society would be telling the same thing if they were gay men or gay women or whatever it was like in in those things because in society the only way that um the only people that it like i guess the only okay so i'm I'm, I'm, okay so this is a question that i'm trying to pose let's say if you're retelling the story no, okay, but I'm 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 past that. Okay. Let's just say that at the the everything about the movie is the same mm-hmm. except Madeline and and Helen live happily ever after and we they they run into Bruce Willis down the line and his life is absolutely miserable. Mm-hmm. Would you how would you feel about that? Well, I mean, I don't know how I'd feel. I'd probably feel like bad for Ernest, but I just feel like, once again, like, I mean, could the movie have succeeded if all of them had, if it had worked out for everybody? I don't think so. Right. Because I feel like in society, and that's just my take, is just that, like, the irrational decisions that women make give lifelong consequences. Yes. Yes. That's absolutely true. So, (laughs) what I'm trying to say is that, um, like... It, you know, I feel like that also just tells a story, like that perpetuates, like it's oh, a, this is well, what it is it's not, it's not even. Uh, I mean, yes, it is a perpetuation. I think that it paints a real picture of how society is for sure, know, and right. not, and not in a good way, obviously. Right, right, right. So, I mean, it may, it, it makes sense that it ends that way to me because, like it or not, that's how women are like. That's how our society paints yeah. paints them. Right. And and so that's my question. So do you think that Meryl Streep and and Goldie Hawn's characters 
would be given some grace? Did you think that they had to be, did you think that they had to end the way that they are, like live in eternity, putting each other back together and spray painting each other? Do for I the think, rest of like, do life? I think they deserve that? No, well, yeah, for making an irrational decision. No, to... no, no, no. Okay, so let's let's say let's say that they took the potion. Okay. I th- I think a lot of this comes back if they took the potion and they were evil, mean people to each other, and uh-huh. they didn't die, and that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they deserve anything for that. I think the fact that both of them, like Goldion, planned planned to murder uh, what's her name, and then uh, Meryl Streep actually murdered uh, Helen. In the heat of passion. <laughs> So everything's okay and the heat of passion and desperation, according to Vanessa, apparently. No, no, no. I didn't say that. I'm just saying, <laughs> she, if you look at it in little bl- different lenses, uh, yeah. you may discover other things. Okay, so so that uh, my thing just comes back to murder. Yeah, they take the potion. I don't think it's a good idea, but they did it, mm-hmm. and, they, and they'll live forever with the consequences. They're obviously not going to learn from that. They're probably going to go on and be bad people regardless. Mm-hmm. But do I think that they should be, like forever punished for it no i think them being alive forever is their own punishment Mm -hmm. i think where they're falling apart and where they're having to put themselves back together i think that's a consequence of them being such bad people that they were willing to murder other people i think that is kind of like i mean if you believed in heaven and hell if you were trying to murder somebody that's like a hell type scenario Mm -hmm. you're with your worst enemy and you guys have to take care of each other for the rest of your life madeline and helen i see you (laughs) I will fight for you because I just don't agree. Okay, um, moving on. Uh, I think we I think we uh, covered a, a lot of good stuff there. Wait, did we? Did you ask if you do a prequel? Oh no, this sequel? is this is where we're going. Oh, okay. So so uh, th- this is always a hard question um, at the end of our show. I'm a producer, you're a producer, and we get the rights to Death Becomes Her. Mm-hmm. Do we decide to do a prequel, a sequel, or a remake to this movie? Oh, for sure, a prequel. Because you can be sure that once we do the prequel and see all the reasons why they we'll did We'll see they why did, it's totally, say, totally okay for them to murder each say, other. Fuck this society. And this is, they are victims. <laughs> And they will be the complex I love, I love that they how you, you did like a complete 180 on there are no victims. Hey, in this movie. you know, sometimes it takes me there. I have to build my own argument. I'm like, actually, I, re- <laughs> I re- uh, rebuttal my own claims of no victims. Nice. I love it. Um, I think even though I'm not a big, big fan of, of uh, remakes, just because we were talking about it beforehand, mm-hmm. um, I think this movie doesn't need a sequel. Um, I but think, it would be fun. I think it'd be really, really fucking weird if you had a sequel because you would obviously have to show them be their like body parts interior. falling yeah. off and everything. It'd be really creepy. Um, a prequel, I think. A cautionary tale. <laughs> I th- I think a prequel, like we said, you could do a prequel and you can give these characters a lot more backstory, a lot more depth that they go over within like fucking two minutes mm-hmm. in the movie. But I think it takes away the supernatural element of what why this movie is what it is. Mm-hmm. So I I don't think there's enough to go off to like. I mean, you can make the prequel about the relationships, and that would be a good movie. But it would have to be separate from the title "Death Becomes Her" because it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with any of that. You know, society becomes her <laughs> <laughs> because you're gonna realize um, all the moments in their life that pinned each other against each other. So. Um, <laughs> Tell me uh, I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. 
I'm, I'm not I'm not one to tell women they're wrong, um, especially when they're saying it's okay to murder somebody. Good. Um, <laughs> uh, so for me, I think because we were talking about it, I would have to do a remake. Mm-hmm. But like you said, you brought up a really good point if you were doing it in an age now mm-hmm. that they would maybe be influencers, mm-hmm. which is, I, I think, a very producer like mindset. Like, oh, we got to do it nowadays. We got to do it young, hip and everything, which is a good idea. I wouldn't personally do that. I love the like old Hollywood aesthetic of this mm-hmm. movie. So I would want to do that. Um, basically keep the... the Where you keep Hollywood great, Steven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh... Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> Make Hollywood great again. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like the aesthetic. I like the clothing. I like the architecture. I like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we said, if you set it into in today's society, I don't think a lot of this shit would fly. Mm-mm. So I think it makes sense to make it a little when people were a little bit more tone deaf. Yeah. Um, and the names we were throwing around, you said like Emma... Uh, Emma Stone, Emma Stone and Rachel McAdams. The first name that popped into my head in this was Rachel Mc, or not Rachel McAdams, Anne was Hathaway. Anne Hathaway for some reason. She could be Isabella Rossellini. She could. I'd like to go foreign with that one again too, though. I don't know, but um, yeah, uh, Anne Hathaway popped in my head and John Hamm for some reason. Oh yeah, yeah just yeah. because he's super duper handsome and everybody knows him as this one thing, and then to make him like a balding like. Yeah, I frantic dude. I think initially I was like in my mind I thought, oh, Ryan Gosling could play this like because he kind of reminded I, me. I, of I his think character. He could, I think he could do that too. Yeah, he reminded me of his character of the older version of him in Blue Valentine or like yeah, yeah, yeah. In the real girl. Uh huh. Um, but I mean, I'm gonna. Um, I had a conversation with a friend. Um, you may know her, Hannah. Uh huh. And she said Ryan Gosling is so 2010, and I thought, shit, she's right. <laughs> So maybe Ryan Gosling shouldn't play this role. Ryan Gosling, I think, took the potion himself. He's eternal. Oh, no. Um, regardless, uh, like I said, do a remake. I wouldn't really change. I think, like I said, the pacing in the beginning of this movie, it flashes forward. And I think the movie kind of needs it because it's not that long of a movie. Mm-mm. And like we said, it only takes place over in like oh, an hour. Yeah, like it takes place over in, in one day. Um, you could maybe pack another 15 minutes into mm-hmm. it and then develop the characters a little bit more, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think uh, overall I would just do a clean remake and see if it hit the same way it did back in the day. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, I definitely think the prequel would be a little more interesting. But that's just- <laughs> no shit. <laughs> but like I said, there's no supernatural uh, elements. You might as well just make another movie about two women uh, having a riff. I would just, yeah, I think there's so many ways you can do that. And I think it would be a brilliant movie. Meryl, <laughs> Goldie, call me. We'll de- Let's talk. We'll be in conversation. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, I think we covered all the bases. Um, I think we did everything. I want to thank you very much, Vanessa, yeah. for being here. Thank um, you for letting me talk about only the one, the one, the one movie, movie out of like five you have, that I've ever you have watched in my on. life. So I appreciate it. Um, I sound like I know something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really want to thank you for being here. It was really, really fun. Um, and yeah, uh, for Play It Again, man, I'm Steven Valdez. Thank my guests, uh, Vanessa Alvarez, for being here. And we'll see you at the movies in a week or so. See ya. <laughs>